Well, I'm really uh, thankful to be in front of you this morning. Uh, I always enjoy the opportunity uh, that I have to um, preach, and Pastor Matt is on vacation with his family, and so I get to fill in today. So that's exciting. We are going to be in Psalm 118. Uh, it's in your bulletin, but if you have your Bibles or device, please turn there. We're going to get, uh, we're going to cover the entire psalm, although my, we might not cover every verse because it is somewhat lengthy. But as we begin, I want to just tell you why I chose Psalm 118 today. So when I was 13 years old, I attended the Wilds Christian Camp. It was, uh, it was a Bob Jones Camp. It was in North Carolina. And our youth group went down there every year, and I ended up going every year until actually I was 21 as a, as a camper. That's a long story. That's a story for another time. But, but uh, my first year was when I was 13, and so everybody's wondering now, okay, 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 let me share briefly. We had a, a young man in our church who had Down syndrome, and in order for him to go, they wanted an older student to go with him. And so I ended up going with him and being his buddy. So... I was older than my counselor twice. That was awkward. I remember the last time we were there, uh, my counselor was like, so what year in school are you guys? And I said, I'm a junior in college. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> like, but anyway, so that's why, if, in case you're wondering there. Um, but when I was 13, it was the first year I went down there, and I remember distinctly uh, sitting in a chapel session. It was during the day, and it, during the day, they do more of a practical sort of teaching lesson. And then at night is more of a, you know, well, in those days when I was there, it was more fire and brimstone, get your life together sort of stuff, which, you know, has its place. Um, but I remember very vividly sitting there, and uh, the, the speaker was talking about different fears that people had. And some of them were pretty, you know, funny to most of us, right? Like, there's a fear of falling out of bed at night, you know. All kinds of things. And he went through and listed them. And then he put up a word that none of us could hardly pronounce. And he said, this is the fear of witnessing, of telling others about Jesus. And nobody thought that was funny. Right? It was silent. And I remember thinking, man, that should be ridiculous to us, right? To be afraid to tell other people about Jesus. Right? Like, that should be funny to us. But it wasn't, and it really opened my eyes. And the verse that he brought us to as he challenged us to be bold in our faith was Psalm 118.6. And Psalm 118.6 very quickly became my life verse. And it was in that moment as a 13-year-old at a Christian camp that I felt God's call in my life to go into full-time ministry as a 13-year-old. God used that moment to stir in my heart something so significant that I knew that I wanted to make my life's work about helping people tell other people about Jesus. And so Psalm 118 has been a significant psalm in my life, and that's why I chose I want to share it with you uh, this morning. So again, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 118. We're going to read the whole thing now and then go back and kind of look at it in three parts. So it's a bit lengthy, but that's okay because it's God's word and it's awesome. So let's, uh, let's read Psalm 118. It says, I'll be reading from the ESV, by the way, um, just so you know, so if you're following along. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. 
Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Here's my life verse. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We just sang about that. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful psalm and the, the lessons it's going to teach us. Father, we thank you for Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. And Father, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you would embolden us this morning to be confident in sharing what you have done in our lives through your son. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Uh, before we get into uh, the actual text, just a little bit about Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. Psalms of thanksgiving have a particular pattern. I just want to share with you briefly what that pattern is and then give you some examples so that as you're reading the psalms, you'll be able to identify which psalms are psalms of thanksgiving. So typically, a psalm of thanksgiving has an introduction which invokes Yahweh's name. And we see that in verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Now, Pastor Matt talked to us last week from Psalm 8 about, um, Oh, Lord, our Lord, right? And there were two names for, two different words for Lord there. This is in verse 1, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which means that it is Jehovah God, it is Yahweh. It is the covenant God of Israel. It is the all-powerful God. It's interesting when, when the psalmists often give thanks to God, they give thanks to Yahweh because he is the one that is powerful enough to deliver them from their trouble. 
And that's ultimately what we see in this psalm of thanksgiving. So it often has an introduction which invokes Yahweh's name. And we see that in verse 1, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Next, the main section of the psalm deals with the psalmist's experience. The psalmist's experience. And typically, this experience starts with a time of distress contains a prayer for God to intervene, and ultimately recounts how God delivered. So there is a particular reason why the psalmist is giving thanks to God. There is a particular moment where the psalmist has been in distress, has cried out to God, and God has intervened in a powerful way. And then at the conclusion of a psalm of thanksgiving, we see an exhortation to praise. And typically, this will also include Yahweh's name. And so if you look at verse 29, you'll see, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so basically, this is the typical structure of a psalm of thanksgiving. We have an introduction which invokes Yahweh's name, uh, an account of distress and deliverance from the psalmist's life, and then a call to praise, which also often invokes the name Yahweh. I just want to look at two briefly. If you just turn over in your Bible to Psalm 116, Psalm 116 is an example of a psalm of thanksgiving. Look at verse 1. It says, I love the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. It says that the snares of death encompassed him in Psalm 116. So he's in a time of distress, but ultimately, if you continue reading, it says that the Lord provides deliverance. Gracious is the Lord. And righteous, the Lord preserves the simple. You have delivered my soul from death. Do you see the pattern here? And then the last verse, verse 19, verses 18 and 19, it says, I will pay my vows to the Lord, again, Jehovah, in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So you see the pattern. Uh, quickly, Psalm 124 also demonstrates this pattern. Psalm 124 Verse 1, if it had not been the Lord, again, Jehovah, Yahweh, who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, there we see the distress, and then it says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth, in verse 6. There is a deliverance. And then if you look again at verse 8, it says, our help is in the name of the Lord, again, Jehovah, who made heaven and earth. So as you're reading the Psalms, I hope that you, this will help you identify which Psalms are in fact Psalms of Thanksgiving because of this pattern. And so Psalm 118 is clearly a Psalm of Thanksgiving. The interesting thing I wanted to note about Psalm 124 is that Thanksgiving Psalms can come as individual Psalms of Thanksgiving or as a communal Psalm of Thanksgiving, a group of people. Psalm 116 and 118 are examples, the one we're looking at today is an example of an individual Psalm 124 says it delivered us. God delivered us, the nation. It's a communal thanksgiving. So that's the pattern that we see in Psalms of Thanksgiving to help us identify them. So I hope that that is helpful to you. To you, excuse me. 
This morning in Psalm 118, we're going to break it down into three sections, three areas, three ways, three reasons why we should be thankful to God. Number one, we need to thank God for his loyal love. We need to thank God for his deliverance. And we need to thank God for his triumph. Loyal love, deliverance, and triumph. Let's look at loyal love first, verses 1 to 4. I'll read this section again, although I won't reread all of the sections as we continue. But this one, four verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love. Pastor Matt mentioned this, has mentioned this Hebrew word before. The Hebrew word is hesed. It is God's covenant-keeping love. It is God's promise-keeping, God's faithful love. The word used here in the ESV is steadfast. There is nothing that can change that. The idea of covenant is extremely important to the nation of Israel, and it's important to us today. All the way back when God calls Abraham, he makes a covenant with him. That's why Israel is called God's covenant people. He makes a covenant with Abraham, and he promises him land, seed, and blessing. He said, I'm going to be your God. You are going to follow me. You're going to go to a land that I will show you. And so the nation of Israel, Abraham's descendants, enjoy that covenant. We often call it the Abrahamic covenant. God makes another covenant with the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai under Moses. We often call it the Mosaic Covenant, and he gives them the law. And he says, if you obey the law, you'll be blessed. If you disobey the law, you'll be punished. And God makes that covenant with Israel. And so the whole rest of the Old Testament really shows us how those two covenants interplay with each other. God can't destroy the nation ultimately because of Abraham, the promise he made to himself on Abraham's behalf, but God still must punish them when they disobey because of the Mosaic Covenant. But now in the New Testament, Jesus comes, we see Christ's blood is the new covenant that God is making. When Jesus is at the Last Supper, he says that very thing. He said, my blood is the new, new covenant. And so we enjoy God's loyal love. We enjoy God's covenant-keeping love as followers of Jesus, as God's children. And so God's loyal love is a very important thing for you and for me. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you have trusted in what Jesus did for you on the cross through the empty tomb, then you have experienced God's loyal love. And that's something to thank God for. That's something to celebrate. It's interesting. I love this section, these four verses, because really what they are is a read and response. Have you been to a church that does read and response? When I was a kid, we did that. Uh, my, my dad went to a Methodist church growing up, and so we had a, a lot of read and response. But that's what this is. Let Israel say... And then the congregation responds, his steadfast love endures forever. 
Let the house of Aaron say, and the people respond, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, and then the congregation, his steadfast love endures forever. See, the psalmist wants to get into our minds that the loyal love of God is eternal. It lasts forever. And that is something to be thankful for. Have you experienced God's loyal love? It starts with Christ. It starts with believing what Jesus did for you. Have you experienced the salvation that God offers? I hope you have, and if you have, then God's loyal love is something to be thankful for. It's something to celebrate on a daily basis. So we see God's loyal love. We need to thank God for his loyal love. Secondly, we need to thank God for his deliverance. We need to thank God for his deliverance. So now we see the transition in this psalm into the psalmist's personal experience, and we see the distress. Verse 5, out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Verse 10, all nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. So we see the distress that the psalmist has experienced. And ultimately, God has provided deliverance. Look at verse 6. It's my favorite. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is on my side as my helper. Look at verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. See, when you enter into a covenant relationship, when you experience God's loyal love through what Jesus did, then the Lord is with you. The Lord can bring deliverance when you go through difficulty. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. The nation of Israel experienced deliverance. It's interesting. The psalm is really cool because it quotes the Old Testament, something that happened before. And we'll get to that in a minute. And then it is quoted in the New Testament. So we see both how this psalm looks behind and looks ahead. It's pretty neat. But let's look at uh, Exodus 15, if you will. Turn to Exodus 15. Uh, Psalm 118 quotes Exodus 15. Exodus 15 is a song which is a response to God delivering the people across the Red Sea, an act of deliverance. And so when they get to the other side, here's what Moses says. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, and you'll notice Psalm 118 quotes these verses. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become salvation. We just read that from Psalm 118. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And it goes on to recount what happened to Pharaoh's chariots and following. And so Psalm 118 invokes in the reader's mind what God did for the nation of Israel as they crossed the Red Sea. God delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. Isn't that cool? 
that even in the Old Testament, even in the Psalms, we see it quoting Scripture. I think that's just amazing. And so they looked back, which means that you and I must look back at how God has delivered us. There are, I don't know, maybe like a half a dozen experiences in your life that you'll never, ever forget and you remember everything about them. Is that fair? Where you just remember every detail from the smell to the colors to everything. And I experienced one of those. Uh, after I uh, broke my neck, which is a long story, most of you have heard it, um, I went to the doctor because I was having some pains in my neck, and they did a scan, and they found a lump in my thyroid. And so we got some testing, but I'll never forget when my endocrinologist, he, I was sitting in a, in a waiting room, he opens the door, he comes in, he sits down, he looks at me and he says, that has to come out. And then he pulled out all of these charts and tests, and I had a, an HRAS mutation in the lump that was in my thyroid. Now, I don't know what an HRAS mutation is, but so he told me it was, and he showed me all the data and everything. He said, that needs to come out. That is a whoa moment. That's a moment you don't forget. I decided that I was going to, we, we had uh, children at the time, and so I had Julie just stay behind with the kids, and I went by myself. I don't know if that was wise or unwise. I didn't want, I don't know, anyway. I didn't want her to get super upset if it was bad news, you know, and et cetera, because it was just a, a very uh, scary situation. And so the doctor came in, he told me, and I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, we have to take it out. We have to schedule surgery. And so we did, and um, ended up going through the process. But I remember something very important that happened to me. The elders at our church, um, Pastor Larry, who uh, some of you met a few weeks ago when he was here, and the rest of the elders. I remember very vividly sitting at the end of an elder meeting right before my surgery was going to happen, and they circled up, and they put hands on me, and, they, and Pastor Larry anointed me with peppermint oil. He liked using peppermint because it smells nice. And they went around the circle, and they prayed for me. And I just felt such a peace about the whole situation because I knew that it was in God's hand. And so I had the surgery. They took out my thyroid. I don't have one anymore. Um, I like to blame that for the reason why I put on so much weight since then. But, you know, anyway. Um, and they did some testing, and I, I got the testing back like a week later, and they said there was no cancer in here. Now my doctor said, hey, it was good. It came, I mean, maybe he was trying to save face. I don't know. But he's like, it's good it came out because it was going to become cancerous. It just hadn't metastasized how it would have normally, which, you know, I don't know. That's neither here nor there for me. But the point is, I really felt God move as God's men prayed for me. And God delivered me from that situation. Now, that's a physical example, but it definitely has some spiritual components to it, right? My faith is tested in those moments. How has God delivered you? How, how have you experienced God showing up in your life in a powerful way? We talked about this months ago in the book of Joshua. 
how they would set up Ebenezer's, how they would set up stones of remembrance to when they walked by, they would remember what God had done for them. Do you talk about that? Do you talk about that with your kids? Do you talk about that with your coworkers? Do you talk about that with your family, your neighbors? Say, hey, here's what God has done for me. Thank God for his deliverance. How have you experienced it? So we need to thank God for his loyal love. We need to thank God for his deliverance. And finally, we need to thank God for his triumph. As we were singing this morning, I hope that you noticed the trend here, how we celebrated what Jesus has done for us. Ultimately, Jesus is the common thread that weaves through all of this. It is through Jesus that God can show us loyal love. And because we've experienced that through Jesus, God is with us and can deliver us. And ultimately, because of Jesus, God is going to triumph. He has and he will. And we can thank God for that. So Jesus is ultimately what uh, connects all of this psalm together. We want to celebrate that. Notice verse 22. 22. It says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, it's, it's probable that the psalmist, as he's writing, is talking about the nation of Israel. Because given the context... Uh, Israel is being surrounded by its enemies, and ultimately it has been rejected by those around it, and now it has become the cornerstone. That's the context in which the psalmist is writing. But as we look to the New Testament, this is where the New Testament comes in, and quoting this psalm, turn with me to Matthew 21, 42. Matthew 21, 42. Jesus, and you can see this in Matthew, you can see it in Mark, you can see it in Luke. We're going to look at Matthew But Jesus refers to himself as the cornerstone. As he looks back at Psalm 118 and quotes from it, he says, This is me. I am rejected, but I am the cornerstone. He says in verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in your eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So here, Jesus kind of paints a negative picture of what will happen to those who reject Christ. They will be crushed against or be crushed by the cornerstone. That's Jesus. Now, from building, the cornerstone is the, the, it's the stone in the corner. Brilliant, right? But it is by which every other stone is leveled. It is very important when building a building that you get it just right because everything else is based off of that one stone. And so basically what Jesus is claiming is, I am that one stone. And if you are not in line with me, if you are not built upon the foundation I have laid, you cannot win. You will not have victory. The only way to overcome is to place your life, to set your life in line with Jesus. And the way to do that is by believing in what he did. 
Just a quick comment, if I may. Verse 24, very familiar verse. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's a nice song, right? We, we sing that. This is the day. This is the day. Right? It's, it's a cute song. Can I tell you, uh, honestly, I've missed the point of that verse my entire life. Maybe you have too. I don't know. The verse is not talking about today, like, oh, it's today. The Lord has made today. We're here, and he got us up today. That's not what it's talking about. I didn't know that. The day he's talking about is the day of salvation, the day of triumph that has come through, ultimately, as we look at our lives through Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. He is talking about the salvation that we have experienced Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. So the day that he's talking about is the day of salvation, the day of triumph that we have experienced through Jesus. Isn't that cool? I missed it. This is the day, the day of salvation. Not today. It's the day of triumph. It's the day that death is swallowed up in victory. That's much more better to celebrate, right, than just today, right? This is the day. It's the day of salvation. There's another passage that's quoted here uh, in the New Testament. Did you notice it? Verse 25 and 26, it says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Turn back to Matthew. Again, back to Matthew 21. But these verses are also in Mark and Luke again, if you would like to look them up later. But Matthew 21, we're going to be looking at verse 9 in particular. But ultimately, uh, at the triumphal entry, the people are quoting Psalm 118. And the crowds that went before him and that followed, verse 9, Matthew 21, were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. That means save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So as Jesus comes into Jerusalem the week before he is rejected and killed, they are saying, save us, God. But ultimately, those same people are going to reject him. It's interesting that right after this, it's Matthew 21, right? We have the triumphal entry, and then later on in the chapter, he says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He tells his disciples, I am going to be rejected. And those that reject me will not receive victory. They will not triumph. Jesus has won the victory. You and I, no matter what we face in this life, the Bible tells us we are more than conquerors 
We experience the triumph that Christ accomplished for us on the cross and through the empty tomb. That's something to thank God for, amen? Amen. Have you experienced God's triumph? Are you looking forward to God's triumph? It's kind of a both and thing, right? Christ accomplished it and Christ will accomplish it. Have you experienced God's triumph? Some application and then we're done. I want you to reflect. How have you experienced God's loyal love, God's deliverance, God's triumph? One thing I like to do is I like to journal. It helps me stay focused, not get distracted. But do some reflection. How have you experienced these three things? Hopefully you have. Hopefully you have a relationship with God through Jesus. And if you don't, I would encourage you to find out how you can have a relationship. You can do that today. Today you can do that. But take some time. How have you experienced God's loyal love, God's deliverance, God's triumph? Secondly, I want you to respond. Thank God for those things. Ultimately, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. It is the celebration of what God has done. I encourage you this week to thank God for what he has done. And I want you to do this in two ways. I want you to pray, talk to him, thank him. And I want you to tell others about it. Tell someone about what, is, what God has done. How you've experienced his loyal love, his deliverance, his triumph, all three. Share your story. And I want you to remember that Christ is at the center of it. As you share what God has done in your life, it brings the focus to Christ. Will you do that this week? I opened with a story about uh, me when I was 13 and how nobody thought it was funny that you could be afraid of witnessing, of telling people about Jesus. Let's be a church that's not afraid. Let's be a church that is excited about what God has done in our church and in our own lives. And let's be willing to share that with others. Have those conversations. Have them with your kids your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, have those conversations. Thank God for what he has done. Tell others about what he has done. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We know that when we were enemies of you, that you loved us first, and we thank you for that. We thank you for that loyal love that you have shown us through the cross, through the empty tomb. Father, we thank you for the deliverance you provide physically, but more importantly, spiritually, when we're going through difficult times, that you can help us stand up underneath what is bearing down on us. And we thank you that you continually show yourself faithful. Father, we thank you for your triumph 
We thank you that death has lost its victory, that sin is swallowed up, that you have defeated sin and death for us. Thank you. Father, I pray that you would challenge us this week with anyone and everyone we come into contact with to share how great you are with them. Help us to spend some time and reflect and pray on what you have done for us and help us to share that with people who desperately need to hear it. Father, I pray that you would use this time we've spent to encourage our hearts. Help us to truly believe that you are on our side. We do not need to fear. What can man do to us? Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.